I'm Bucky. I'm Izzy. And this is Under Deconstruction. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode. Uh, we are jumping into a topic today. Um, just going to not make any more promises on when our next episode will be. Um, <laughs> we're on when we're here, and we're glad that you're here whenever we're on. Um, but today like we want to talk about uh, self-care, uh, which not maybe in the way that you've heard it talked about recently. Hopefully we can add something new to this conversation. So just to kind of start off, I mean, I think if you ask anyone, especially right now, given all the kind of crazy things we've experienced uh, as a collective um, over the last, I mean, it's been a lot of things have been happening for a long time, but especially like over the last few years or so, I think there's been a lot of talk, especially on social media about self-care, practice self-care, take time for yourself, you know, and that's something that is sometimes described in more specific detail, like, oh, do a face mask, take a bath, go for a walk, you know, be in nature, whatever. Like, I'm sure we've all seen these little, you know, cute curated posts and stuff on Instagram, heard people talk about it on the radio, whatever. Um, I don't know if anyone even listens to that anymore. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think there's uh, a lot of buzzwords being thrown around in relation to self-care, but it's not always clear um, what that should look like for each of us. And when it is made clear, sometimes it's not maybe what we should actually be doing. So we're going to get into that more today. Um, but I do want to give a little bit of a historical background real quick, because self-care is not a new concept at all. I felt like, oh, it's just a new, you know, buzzword for the this age and whatever. It's actually not. Maybe like that term specifically, but that concept has been around for a long time. So I was just reading this Atlantic article. Uh, the author Esther Bloom was talking about um, self-care and consumerism. Um, so something that I learned very quickly that I didn't know before um, has to do with a quote from the philosopher uh, Michel Foucault. Uh, this is in the 80s. He did a lecture. It ended up being this book called, uh, or like an essay called Technologies of the Self. Um, but he was talking about that for the classic philosophers, you know, Plato, Aristotle, these people, taking care of yourself, self-care, eventually became absorbed into knowing yourself. So self-care meant self-knowledge or self-understanding. And it still does, I think, um, but we'll get into how it's maybe been like sort of muddled a little bit over time. So historically, it's been referred to as the importance of taking time to reflect and make peace with our own existence in the universe, ponder important life questions, your classic existential crisis, you know, that kind of um, pondering that we all do like in our different ways, um, even today. Sometimes this could be reading, studying, or just sitting and thinking about things. Um, and that's been a thing forever. Um, I think everyone does it, even when we don't realize we're doing it. But there's basically there's been uh, an importance placed on that time for self-care um, for a very long time. But today it looks a little bit different. At least I think it does. So first I wanted to start off talking to you, Bucky, about how is self-care marketed to us today? Like, what does that really look like um, in the here and now? Yeah, I mean, I think, 
like everything in our world or our society nowadays, um, most everything is based in a consumerist mindset, right? Mm -hmm. So we take something that could arguably be described as a very personal, almost spiritual experience of trying to know yourself and we turn it into a commodity, a, you know, something to be bought and sold and traded and bartered with. And, um, you know, you have entire Instagram sectors that are like spiritual guru, self-care folk, which I'm not denouncing in any particular way. In fact, I would, (laughs) I maybe put on that hat for a little bit myself. Um, But yeah, I think for me personally, self-care is something that is very personal and yeah, you can get, you can learn from other people on maybe ways and techniques and things to do that would help you. But I think for each person, self-care is a personal, almost um, spiritual thing that they, only they will know what that means for themselves. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's a little unfortunate that everything ends up getting commodified and becoming packaged and sold and marketed. Cause I think that takes a little bit away from the magic of things, but uh, you know, here we are. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because I think there is so much um, because if self-care is about the outcome, like maybe feeling more content, maybe just feeling more at peace or even just neutral about things that maybe are causing you existential dread, like, that outcome can be pursued without buying anything like literally just sitting outside reading something that was written a long time ago, or, you know, just studying things that people have reflected on before and seeing that we've all been like embarking on this project to understand why we're here and why things happen the way they do. Like since time itself, like that's kind of reassuring in a way. And like, those things can be pursued without spending money. And yet there's this huge push, I think, especially, I don't know, I feel like it's a little bit gendered, like as far as like what I've seen on social media, um, this sort of uh, consumerism being surrounded with uh, like beauty products or like, um, spa sort of things like for women that's always what's pushed as like self-care is like like I was saying earlier take a bath you know do a face mask like go get your nails done like buy this thing that's gonna like calm you down and like pay for this meditation app that's gonna calm you down and whatever and like it's all about like beauty and I'm not saying those things aren't awesome because I like love a good bath with candles incense I get it it's awesome but it's interesting that even I've like found myself kind of falling down that thing of like, Oh, if I just buy this thing, if I just, you know, order that type of, you know, thing for um, my sort of spa day self-care that I'll feel better. And yet there's like a lot of times where I'll spend like a self-care day and I'll be like, you know, in the tub, like trying to relax, doing it all right. I have the bath salts, I have the candles, everything's in place but I'm like watching Netflix or something or like texting or listening to music and otherwise not really doing what we were just talking about that self-care was originally about, which is knowledge, learning about yourself 
and the universe, thinking about it, wondering about it. I'm not doing that when I'm like watching things, listening to things. I'm not reflecting. So a lot of times I walk away from those sorts of days or, or moments of self-care and I haven't really actually moved forward in any significant way in terms of like coming to a sense of peace about why things are happening or what, where my place is in the world. So is it really working? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. I don't know. But that's something that kind of bothers me, I guess, in my own experience. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's one of these categories of life that is like hyper susceptible to being used as a kind of area where they can deceive or manipulate people. And by Mm -hmm. they, I just mean people trying to sell products or, you know, whatever people trying to make money. Um, It's kind of like uh, addictive chemicals in the sense that it's a, it's a area that is prone to deception and manipulation, like with, for example, coffee or alcohol. Um, Mm -hmm. These are two business sectors that are, it's super easy. (laughs) It's, it's very easy to sell product because you're selling something that is inherently addictive to people. Mm -hmm. And in a similar light with self-care products, they, people who are selling these things recognize that there's, you know, there's not many things in life that people will like, regardless of anything, pay for or need or want in their life. And wanting to feel better is obviously something that everybody wants. And so that's an area that's very prone to being manipulated or deceived. And, you know, the truth that any self-care marketer wouldn't want you to know (laughs) is that 99% of the things that that would be required for you to feel better or to be in a better place, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it might be, uh, you can do yourself and is free and doesn't require anything. Um, yeah, exactly. Meditating doesn't require a fancy pillow. It doesn't require an uh, app or a muse headband with that reads your brain waves. <laughs> and by the way, I bought one, so I'm not, I'm no better. <laughs> yeah. Than we're anyone. not saying yeah, that we don't do this. I, I fall, you know, hook, land, and sinker for all this stuff. Oh, so yeah, totally. I, you know, I have a whole <laughs> have boxes full of self-care stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, everybody wants to feel better. And if you are given an option where it says, Hey, buy this thing, do this thing, follow these steps, uh, you'll feel better. You know, that's very tempting for a lot of people, including myself. And, you know, a lot of these things do actually help in some ways, but they're not the, they're not going to address the true existential angst that exists at the bottom of this seeming insatiable desire (laughs) for a more peaceful life or a better life or a happier life or, you know, whatever the void is that you're trying to fill with the self-care products. Mm -hmm. um, Oftentimes an external thing that you go out and buy what isn't going to satiate this kind of eternal desire within each and every one of us where we truly desire meaning and purpose and love. And these things are much more internal and self oriented (laughs) and any attempt to go external kind of, you know, flies back in your face and doesn't really work in the long run. It might be a, 
right. small satiated, you know, week long thing where you feel good, but it oftentimes won't lead to long lasting uh, happiness or, you know, whatever it is you're searching yeah. for. And yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of it's, it's not our fault either. Like the workday and the structure that we're asked to, like the productivity that we're asked to achieve every day, it doesn't leave a lot of room for any type of leisure, let alone like sort of a intentional, like mindful self-care moment. Like we barely have time to just chill. So it kind of makes sense that we would turn to this first thing of like, of course, I'm going to mix my, you know, calming bath salt moment with, you know, music or YouTube or, or Netflix, because I haven't had time to do that all day. I've been working and now I, you know, I want to take that moment. And so I'm going to combine both things because I also need to get out of here and go make dinner, go take a walk, go get ready for tomorrow, whatever. Like, we all have different responsibilities, varying levels of responsibility, but we do all exist in this sort of pressured environment or pressurized environment of like, do this many hours of work a day, be this productive every day. And for people that are working a lot, especially, I think it would be maybe a little bit difficult to expect uh, them to make time for both like the fun sort of um leisure side of self-care of like just taking some maybe relaxing time to like watch a show or, or like talk to friends hang out and also take this additional time to like have this deep self-reflection and really think about these big questions of life like that's a lot to do in one day so part of it's not our fault that it's so difficult to do self-care in the way that I think is more um like useful for us in the long term totally so yeah i think that's part of it but and i mean these these two things are like polar opposites you know it's like the everyday life of doing laundry making food going to work and whatever it is you're doing in your daily life are very microscopic um grounded physical material you know things you're doing while so this, these self-care concepts generally are asking you to detach and become mm -hmm. much more macroscopic, macroscopic and abstract in your uh, way of thinking or in your, you know, in your moments that you're in. And so, yeah, it's very jarring for many people to, you know, go from a very intense work day <laughs> to then like come home and be like, okay, time to like completely just relax and detach and meditate. It's like, no, I'm still in this residual frictional state of thinking about all the shit I have to do. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> thinking about all the stuff I have to do at work and, um, you know, thinking about this thing I messed up on earlier today that I need to fix for tomorrow. And, you know, all the, whatever it is that you're dealing with on a, on a day-to-day -day basis um, to have that be so closely juxtaposed to this, like, all right, now I'm just going to like wander off into my meditative, like Zen, you know, tea house. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like those things just don't mesh with each other very well. So, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So then that's when the self-care product comes in and says, hey, guess what? I have a little secret life hack or a trick yes, or something yeah. that, you know, will efficiently take you from point A to point B. Uh, again, uh, 
many people will, you know, go to alcohol for this thing. This that's by far the quickest way to go from mm -hmm. <laughs> from a weighted state of being in the reality of the responsibilities of life to being in a detached, numbed state of being where, mm -hmm. you, you know, that's a very quick way to get there. And so a lot of people use that because it's the quickest way to move from the micro to the macro. But, um, and I mean, all the self-care products are obviously way better than drinking alcohol, but these are also other versions and attempts at moving people in a more efficient manner from uh, very physical, uh, stressful day-to-day -day thing to a de-stressed detached thing right. um so yeah but yeah uh, i mean i think this is all completely understandable like that we do the things we do in a in pursuit of self-care um but i'm the thing that i kind of want to um bring up and maybe to challenge some of this a little bit is for all of us is does buying more things really improve our state of mind? Like maybe it's temporary, maybe it lasts longer, but is it really helping us or is it actually just kind of paradoxically making it worse because consumption overconsumption is exacerbating a lot of our world's problems. Now I want to, start by being clear that I totally recognize that any one of us are individual impact on our environment and on um, the treatment of workers around the world and things like that. It's very minuscule. And there are large, uh, large scale actors who are responsible for the majority of the damage against this earth and its people that have a lot to answer for. And I'm by no means going to be that person that's going to point the finger at an individual and be like, you're the reason because you didn't, you know, be more environmentally friendly <laughs> that the world is collapsing. Like, no, we recognize there are bigger systems at play. However, I wonder if just like psychologically, knowing that you're still contributing to the system that like, yeah, I bought myself these, you know, spa products or whatever to chill after work, but those are all going in the landfill. Those were all maybe these clothes I bought to feel better about myself in the moment for self-care, treat yourself. Maybe that is all going to end up like bothering me more because I know, you know, maybe it wasn't made ethically. Maybe these things weren't because a lot of these quick fixes, they're not, they're quick and easy because they were cheap to create and they're cheap to get rid of which means that they're probably not the best for the world around us. And I wonder if like psychologically that bothers anyone else. Cause it bothers me. Cause sometimes I'll, I've done that before where I like, maybe I go on a little shopping spree, a little online shopping moment. And I like, I'm not paying attention to where things are sourced from. Or like I said, I'm buying a bunch of plastic packaging around all these items that are supposed to make me feel better. And maybe they do for the moment, but Something kind of bugs me knowing that the very thing that's making me feel unsettled, making me need self-care, you know, the state of the world, the state of the environment, uh, the way workers are treated around the world, these fears are being exacerbated by the overproduction, overconsumption of really cheap goods for people to consume and then immediately throw away. And so that paradox like really bugs me. 
And I wonder if it bugs anyone else, but um, I think that might be something to consider, you know, in this conversation. Um, I haven't really seen anyone else talk about that aspect of it without just blaming people for being an individual that's, you know, buying a lot of things, whatever. Um, but I don't know, that's some, some other perspective to maybe put on that uh, issue. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you there. It's a, a clash of values, right? Where you're <laughs> like the very thing you're buying is on one side, something that's going to make you maybe feel better or do some good for you. But mm-hmm. in the purchasing of that item, you are arguably um, perpetuating something that makes you feel shitty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but my 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 only point in relation to this would be something you know it took, it's taken me a while to embody this and it's still a daily practice but i think and i think we've talked about this on prior podcasts but i really think it's important for people to to recognize that we live in a world that's very alien to any other time in human history and the amount of information we're receiving is uh, absurd. And to just recognize there's really only a certain amount of things that you have control over in your life. Mm -hmm. And to take responsibility for the things you have control over and do your best in regards to the things that you have control over. But then to also recognize there's a vast majority of things that you have no control (laughs) <laughs> there's you have yeah. there's nothing you can do there's you have no control over it um in relation to the environment yeah it's obviously a problem but for me living in a perpetual state of like environmental collapse anxiety feeling like i can't do anything and even the little things that i can do it's like what difference is this making it's not even right. tangible or visible um so, so for me in relation to that, and especially in relation to like self-care products, it's like, yeah, if I'm at the store and there's two self-care products and one is obviously more environmentally friendly or ethically sourced than another one, then I'll choose that one for sure. But mm-hmm. at the same time, um, to, you know, have that take away from something because I feel guilty, maybe it's not like perfectly ethically sourced, or it still has plastic, like that it's using or whatever that might be. It's like, you can only control so much. And so, I mean, for each person, it's, I think a different level, you know, for some people, they may think that they want to be like, they want to do the best possible, like they want to devote a lot of their life to (laughs) making sure that that, like everything they get is ethically sourced. And Mm -hmm never buy any plastic and you know more power to them and props to you and hell yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um for i think to live a reasonable life there's certain you know things that you're just going to have to live with realizing we're not in a society yet that has achieved a substantial level of like environmental consciousness or uh, self-sufficiency or sustainability or renewability. And Mm -hmm. so while we're still in this kind of nascent stage of uh, moving into a society that is more environmentally conscious, uh, you know, there's only, there's only so much we can do and we try and do our best. That's, that's my opinion on it at least. Yeah, no. And yeah, you're absolutely right. 
And I think it's interesting because it's clear to me that you've been, especially because we've talked about it before on here a little bit, but that you've, you know, given that a lot of thought and, you know, come to this sense of peace with what you can't control and motivation for what you can control um, through the process of self-knowledge and understanding, like grappling with these big, scary things like, you know, environmental collapse um, and not living in a state of fear and coming to like coming to terms with it, maybe making peace with what you can do and versus what you can't. And that kind of goes exactly back to our original definition of self-care as the process of knowing yourself and pondering important life questions. Like, you know, there's a lot to be said for maybe the peace you have achieved by understanding how to cope with that particular existential crisis. Like, you know, Oh, I'm a lot better at at saying it out loud than, (laughs) but this is great because what we're doing right now is part of that, you know, talking, reading, studying, and like not saying that this isn't like, Oh yeah, no, you figured it out. You're never going to have dread about that again. Of course not every day we do, but that in itself was something that you, you know, you can only come to any understanding like that, even temporarily through thinking and questioning things and not through just mindlessly sitting through, you know, things that you were told are self-care or are healthy or are, you know, cause even like don't a bunch of like, I don't know, I don't work directly in any kind of corporate world, but don't people like there's employers will have like mandatory self-care things and like, there's no way that that works in it in that <laughs> environment. Anyway, that's a whole separate thing, but I don't know. I just, I think um, the talking and the questioning and the wondering and the coming to terms with things that in itself is a process that leads us hopefully to more peace or contentment with what we have in our life and what we can do with our lives. And we didn't have to buy anything in order to do that. So there's something to be said for that, but I think it would be good to also talk about how we might be able to reimagine or kind of rework some of these um, self-care tools um, in a more, maybe partly in a more ethical way and maybe partly just to get back to that original uh, reason why self-care is important and why um, it exists as a concept. Um, So I don't know if uh, you want to think about that a little bit, just like possible ways we can um, do self-care a little differently or like with our new understanding, you know, um, come up with some new tools. Um, but something I just wanted to say first, while you're thinking about it is, um, I just thought of this while we were talking. Um, I remember finding this, um, source for dealing with some of my uh, anxiety. Um, and there was this example of a comfort box. I'm pretty sure it was called, Um, And it's designed for when you're having, uh, you feel a panic attack coming on or you're coming down from one, but I think it really works for, yeah, I think it could be tailored to work for anyone who's um, in need of self-care or kind of having a crisis that needs to be um, uh, addressed. Um, And this is something that I think is cool because you can pull it together from things that you already have. And that's like a great way to start on the whole more environmentally friendly thing is like a lot of times we just have stuff laying around that we haven't used. And if we can retool it in a new way, you know, that can um, 
reduce waste and also make use of the things we have for a better purpose. So the comfort box, I think, is based on senses. So you have different items in it that you bring out when you need them that sort of serve as different um, different elements uh, to calm you down or to help you reflect. So you can put like a journal, you can put um, like soft items, like a stuffed animal or a blanket, things that bring you back physically to like to that sense, um, things that smell good. So that's kind of that classic self-care, like candles, like whatever incense, like I'm sure we all have things that sitting around that, that will serve that per- purpose very well within this comfort box. And then there's, you know, for taste, um, certain items of food or something that you um, can focus on and, you know, eat mindfully think about it, whatever that can help bring you back down to earth. And then it kind of goes through this list and you end up with this sort of uh, perfect little group of self-care items that uh, sure you may have to buy some of them, but you probably won't have to buy any of them that can help you seriously sit down and ground yourself, refocus turn the panic down because a lot of times the existential dread is coming out and just panic about everything in life and kind of sit in a more uh, calm, a calmer space. And then from there, maybe start doing some of that reflecting. Maybe you bust out the journal, maybe you talk to someone, maybe you just think about it, but you can actually do that self-knowledge part of self-care once you've sort of grounded yourself. And I think this concept is so cool. I'm still building mine. It works if you have anxiety. It probably will work even if you don't. And I think that's one version of self-care that's like not far off from what we're used to hearing, but it also leads us more in the direction of uh, that original definition of self-care as well. So I don't know if you have any other thoughts, tips, suggestions, but that's like one thing I wanted to throw out there. Yeah, I love that idea. Um, Yeah, I really like that. I think for me, what kind of was resonating with what you just said is that type of a practice is, in my opinion, about like bringing meaning and purpose into your life through sensory objects, Mm -hmm. which I think can be super powerful, right? It's, um, you know, like finding whatever it might be that you resonate with that can help you ground you in that regard. Um, I think even little things like that, bring more meaning and purpose into life. And I think that meaning and purpose faculty is the main component of self-care. And, you know, when it comes to like more ethical ways or more environmentally friendly ways of doing self-care, I think, like I was saying before, it's really, you don't really need anything. It's just about Mm -hmm. finding things in your life that bring you meaning and purpose and, you know, doing things that bring a sense of like grace and peace and love into your life. So like meditation is the ultimate practice of doing nothing. (laughs) It's like literally the void. Um, You don't need anything to do that. That in my opinion is the most ethical, most environmentally friendly thing you can do. And I know I literally probably say meditate on every one of our podcasts, but, um, and I also am not a master at it. I, (laughs) you know, I think it's probably been a week since I've meditated myself, but, um, 
just things that allow you to disconnect from the flashing lights and the, you know, friction of everything Mm -hmm. and allow you to completely just be with yourself and allow you to think about just how absurd everything is. (laughs) Yeah. Like I honestly, um, you know, where I like to start whenever I like, it really is all in your mind. And Mm -hmm. so the more you can figure out how to tune that and work with it, the, the more masterful you'll be at being able to move your emotional state to where you want it to be rather than it moving you where Mm -hmm. it wants you to be. (laughs) And so, um, you know, just think about how absurd everything is. Like nobody knows what's going on. (laughs) <laughs> nobody on the anywhere knows what this is what's happening what's going on why are we um you know suction cupped to a floating rock that's mm-hmm. flying around like a fusion ball like i don't know <laughs> like yeah and so when you like think about like how absurd everything is um it brings a levity to life and mm-hmm. it it allows you to kind of sit in a in a place of realizing like all these hard-edged um mean and stressful aspects of life are very small compared to the grand the grand picture and so ultimately I, i know i'm kind of going on a tangent here but ultimately what i'm trying to say in terms of a more ethical or environmental uh way for self self care is that it really all is within you already there is no um there isn't like literally nothing and yeah there's awesome little like tools and tricks and i loved your idea i think that's an amazing idea um there's all sorts of things you can do like that but my emphasis would be on truly trying to recognize that all that you need is within yourself already and Mm -hmm. the more that you can form a relationship with yourself and your mind and your different ways of being uh, I think that is paramount in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And it does like truly go back to that. I keep bringing it up, but the original definition or like the original practice of self-care is it is just about, you know, sure. It's about, you know, maybe reading and studying to add things to your brain, but then just sort of pondering it all and like, working through it all and that's all in your own head already so you know we don't need anything um and I absolutely agree with you about that um I think it's interesting because I just remember I mean me being like very much on the cusp of um uh millennial like I remember the times before being so like pushed into adult responsibilities and also being just so locked into um, devices and like um, consuming things, uh, consuming media all the time, that bombardment. Like I would just sit and think about stuff. Like I was also an only child. So I had plenty of time and peace and quiet (laughs) to do that. But I just remember thinking about stuff all the time, wondering about things and trying to understand you know, all kinds of things about the world around me that I was learning about. And I just feel like it's probably not just me that has kind of lost that ability in a way or like um, misplaced it. Um, And, you know, these are 
hopefully some tools or tips, you know, contained within this episode uh, to help us all kind of try to get back to that because we're all capable of it and we all need to do it. Um, But it's hard. So I don't know. I think it, I think it's always good to be able to think more deeply about the things that are scaring us or worrying us Um, and not just like to overthink and and cycle through bad thoughts, but um, to try to move into, like you were saying, that sort of macro level, like, you know, pull away from the immediate stressors and look at, you know, the bigger and bigger, bigger picture until um, it all feels kind of um, chaotic and like nothing, but also everything and just kind of coming to terms with that and being more comfortable with these uncomfortable questions and feelings. Uh, Cause I think we're very much invited by the structure of our days, by the structure of media today to just pretend like it's not there, ignore the bad feelings, you know, look at something else, distract yourself, distract yourself. And like, that's very easy to do. We all do it. And I think there's a lot to be said for trying not to do that all the time, trying not to always avoid and trying not to always distract ourselves from sitting with these difficult um, questions about life. So, yeah, I mean, like everything in life, it's a it's a by it's a polarity, right? There's, you know, up, down, plus, minus, you know, there's everything is uh, polarized and it's not that one is better than the other. It's mm-hmm. like they're both equally necessary and useful. Um to become an adult and to take on responsibility and to care about things and to understand things at a deep level that makes you worry is absolutely necessary, required mm-hmm. and beautiful in its own right. But the key is to balance that with an ability to be childlike and to detach and to wonder why we are on a suction yeah. cups to a floating rock flying through infinity. Um, you know, exactly. <laughs> like silly, exactly. silly statements like that, that are completely absurd. And for the average person listening there, you know, it's sounds very silly probably, but, um, you know, just be, remember how it was to be a kid again. Like both of these things are equally important, um, and to exist purely as a kid and to never take on responsibility and to never become an adult and to never care about anything is, I would argue, um, too much in one direction on yeah. the opposite extent and you know to become a wall street billionaire that you know all they think about is their work and they you know whatever they there's never a moment of detachment or mm-hmm. whatever always I, on yeah i think that's the the other extreme and yeah. so it's this dance this fine line between having trying to maintain one foot in both quadrants at the same time but it's very difficult it's like surfing or snowboarding or something you have to keep your balance you have to whoa i'm tipping over into the micro too much or whoa i'm going way too macro i need to get grounded and do some real (laughs) responsible things again you know um so it's a balancing act between the the two of those things absolutely yeah all right yeah um i hope that uh this gave you some insight into the concept of self-care how we practice it. Uh, Maybe you're thinking about uh, new ways you can look at um, this very essential thing that we all need to practice. 
Um, and yeah, hopefully you enjoyed. Awesome. Bye, y'all. Bye.